Hey, women's basketball fans, welcome to Gotta Get Up, a podcast for New York Liberty fans brought to you by Black Rosie Media and hosted by Erica L. Ayala. All right, basketball fans, welcome to another episode of Gotta Get Up, a podcast for New York Liberty fans. But if you've been listening to the podcast, if you are subscribed or you follow us on YouTube, then you know that we also did our first ever preview episode with the amazing Misha Jones, which you can see Misha joining us once again. And of course, we've got Brian Florentin. And listen, the brother once again comes through in Barclays, which means that we got to ask Brian, who you got up on the wall? Today, we have looks like two middleweight fighters going back and forth in an intense battle, which kind of fits the motif of today's game. So once again, the art tells the tale. The art tells the tale. Brian, come on, man. You hooking us up. What a great (laughs) transition. And since Misha and I previewed this game, Brian, we're going to give you first word on this matchup. We get overtime. We get a grudge match like Misha and I said we would. So your overall thoughts and takeaways from this New York Liberty win in overtime. I think one of the first things that stood out to me was that this was a different style of win for the team as compared to what they've been doing the past week. When they beat Phoenix and when they beat Atlanta, they didn't trail for a single second in any game. And the fact that they were able to come back from behind, from down 17 points against a really tough, intense team that shut them down the first time, I think speaks a lot to the connectivity they've been building from training camp to opening night to now. So I think for the Liberty, if they look at a game like this, they can say, hey, we took on a really good team that had our number. They, they shut down essentially our best player and maybe one of the MVP contenders, but we were still able to figure out a way. We were able to sort of like start diagnosing the defense as the game went on. We, we, we figured some things out. We were able to show that toughness, show that grit that's going to be needed when, when they go against some really elite teams, which they're going to be doing this week again. So this we, this game, I think, really can be a sort of launching pad for them to really sort of like continue establishing that foundation they've been building. Yeah, for sure. And it was an 89-88 win in overtime. And, you know, Y'all, we should have known this game was going to bring the drama because we got this game. It was build up because right before the game, we got the all-star starters, which we're going to talk about. But then also Phoenix wanted to tap in on the drama and we found out that they have parted ways with Vanessa Nygaard, their head coach. Um, Now, this is a podcast for New York Liberty fans. So all I'm going to say is... um, just you know sandy brondello didn't talk about it nobody asked her about it but i certainly would love to know what she really thinks <laughs> about it we're just gonna leave that there because we got a lot to get to um but uh misha i'm gonna kick you off with this we did get the all-star starters now no washington mystics on the starters list what are your thoughts about that about them from the mystics front but then also about who was named as an all-star starter in 2023 um, I'm not totally surprised. Actually, I'm not surprised at all that there's no Mystics on that list. Um, I think what we've seen from the Mystics thus far is more, uh, team ball being, you know, what, what makes them play their best, not so much super insane individual performances. Um, so not too, too surprised that nobody's on that list. I love me some EDD as we know. 
Um, Kira to me is more MIP, you know, vibes, not so much all-star quite yet. Um, but as far as the folks who are on this list, I think they got it right. I think the fans, you know, uh, I would love to have seen AT in there. Um, I think, uh, for me, it's, it's, it's just tough not to have her there knowing the way she's playing, but outside of her, I think these are all super solid picks. All these players have been spectacular in their own rights, um, and totally deserve to be on this list. Absolutely. Asia Wilson and Brianna Stewart, they were leading in the first week returns from the fan vote, which was 50% of the vote. But after the fan vote, the media vote, which was 25% player vote, 25%. It was once again, Wilson and Stewart who will be captains. So obviously, Brian, Brianna Stewart this year representing the New York Liberty. What do you have to say about Stewie getting um, on the starters list, being a captain again, and then just overall your thoughts on the list? Yeah, for Stewie, I think it's well deserved. She's been an, a, she's been amazing on both sides of the ball. She's anchored the interior defense. I think she's what top she's top ten in like like at least I want to say three categories. And she's like top twelve and th- or thirteen in assists. So she's been able to do everything imaginable. She set franchise records here. She's had efficiency numbers that are through the roof. She's been able to sort of like do every single thing and sort of like blend in perfectly to every single role. So I think being the leading vote getter on the Eastern Conference side is a welcome accomplishment for her and one she should be proud of. As for the rest of the roster, I liked it a lot. I thought that, you know, Jewel Lloyd has had an amazing season. And I saw a graphic where I think she said, I think, she and Sabrina are like tied for like the I think they're like neck and neck for like the most three pointers made in like the first twelve games of a season in league history, and Jewel is doing it essentially with her being the the main initiator, the main shot creator, the ace option for Seattle. So her just being able to keep that team afloat and sort of like keep them steady after all the changes is such a welcome, amazing sight. So that's going to be great. Seeing Aaliyah Boston on there was really cool. And I think especially from when we saw her the first time, she had a good game in Barclays Center, but she's gotten even better from there. So just seeing her rapid ascension over time and the fact that the Fever are looking like a really solid outfit for the first time in a long time, thanks in large parts of her play, I think is really exciting. And I think for, um, I, I think we've talked about it before, just like making the connection between the college game and the pro game. So having the number one pick from a storied college institution be able to have that success translate immediately into the W and then be showcased on a feature stage like the All-Star game, I think is great for the league because it continues to bridge that gap from the college game to the pro game and beyond. So that's super exciting. and. BG making it in is very awesome and amazing as well. She's, you know, just beyond the fact that she's back, she's back and playing incredibly well. Like, prior to her injury, I think every game she shot above 55% from the field. She's locking down the post. She's doing everything in an amazing fashion. And the fact that she's picked up where she left off is so amazing. And the fact that she's been that vocal presence in the league, she's sort of like made the league complete again. I think it's a very welcome accomplishment and very rewarding. I love that outlook. Griner definitely was on my ballot. Uh, I love what you mentioned there. Arike Ogumbawale, also uh, Neka Ogumake, Satu Sabali, who we've talked about, Brian, before. Jackie Young, 
very well deserved as a starter, her second all star selection overall. Um, so I, I agree. I agree that this is a really solid list. Um, I do think that we'll still see Kelsey Plum, likely uh, Alicia Gray, uh, Cock Copper, and I think Sabrina Ionescu as well. Um, I didn't peg her as a starter for this year. I think she'll probably have a good chance at All-Star. She was a starter last year. I didn't necessarily agree that she was an All-Star starter, but again, 50% fan vote, so you get a little bit of that there. Now, Diana Taurasi in the mix. I think DT did have a good start to the season. She also has been dealing with injury, so uh, that did kind of impact my my personal vote that I had. Um, but, you know, will we see DT or will we not have an all-star game this year? Well, it might not matter because we no Messy. longer have the Nygaard. I'm just saying. Um, but we're going to move on with that. We are going to move on. <laughs> Ooh, it's piping hot. It's piping hot. Oh, Listen, I mean, come on. It was right there. I had to take I had to take a few a, a few of the little jokes here. But um I do want to talk about again, Stewie is gonna be an all-star, is gonna be a captain, but this was not an all-star performance from Brianna Stewart, at least from the offensive side. Misha, I want to come to you first. What do you think, if anything, Washington excuse me, was able to do effectively to disrupt what Stewart wanted to do for the Liberty? So first and foremost, I think Washington established a level of physicality that New York was going to have to meet. I think that, you know, they obviously started off the game strong offensively, but with Stewie specifically, they, you know, they weren't just letting her get to her spots. And that's kind of what you have to do. Um, my whole life, coaches have told me, like, if you want to get the calls, you have to be the aggressor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think defensively, you know, the Mystics were the aggressor. Now, as we, you know, went to the second half, things started to change a little bit. We could talk about that. But uh, I think that was the key to kind of getting her out of rhythm early um, and forcing other people to, you know, take shots. I think Stewie took some some long threes, which you're Stewie. You know what I mean? You can hit the three. Um, but in the first quarter, I think that was what Washington wanted. She, They just didn't want her to get easy looks at the two. Um, and, yeah, that was a big part of it. Um, but when she started, they started using her as a screener in the second half. I think Sloot got those two layups off of back screens. I thought, you know, talk about Sandy Brondello. That was brilliant. I said to, to Erica before we popped on here, she had her thinking cap on today um, <laughs> because that was just an excellent adjustment. Obviously, Stewie's getting a lot of attention. Use her as a screener and you get easy buckets out of that. And then you also take that pressure off of her a little bit. But um, yeah, I think it was all just about physicality from the jump for Washington. And Brian, I want to get your thoughts here because Washington was able to balloon up a 17-point lead. That was their largest lead in this game. And they really came out and dominated the New York Liberty. And we heard Misha talk about the impact that they had on Brianna Stewart. But what were some other things that you saw Washington do that really had New York in fits early in the game? Yeah, one thing um, coming into the game, I kept a note in my head that the Mystics lead the league in forcing turnovers, and they were able to cash in a few turnovers early, get out an easy transition. There was one play, I think it was, I think it might have been like 
I think it might have been Sykes in the first quarter where she picked off a cross-court Vanderslew pass and got an easy layup. So I think early on, Washington was really able to just like play the passing lanes, really up that pressure and physicality. They picked up Sabrina full court a few times. They picked up Sloop full court a few times. So they were really able to sort of like get the liberty off rhythm. And I think what they also did was that they sped them up a little bit. Like there were a few possessions at the start where it was just one pass and the shot goes up when the Liberty are at their best is when the ball is going is moving side to side. When they want on Friday night, you just saw the ball just like zipping all over the court. They were there was so much purposeful movement that led to so many open shots. Washington was really able to sort of jam that up throughout the night. And I think that as they were able to do that they were really able to sort of like start establishing the tempo in their favor early. I think what started to work for New York was that they started sort of like forcing and insisting their way to the basket, getting to the free throw line so it kept them within striking distance. Because I was in press row, I was sitting next, I was sitting next to a friend of mine, Owen. I was like, it feels like they should be down twenty right now because Washington completely had the, the flow of the game in their favor. New York looked so out of sorts. Like every time they would get a shot in half court, it was either rushed or if they did get open, it would just be off. So the fact that New York was really able to sort of like find their bearings gradually, I thought was a really good sign for them. And I think a big improvement from what happened in the first game. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And to your point, you we're going to talk about free throws. Here's a stat. 23 out of 89 points for New York from the free throw line, 26%, a quarter of their points from the free throw line. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. They, they decided they weren't going to back down. They were chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. Um, I'm not sure exactly how much time they led for in this game, but it was gotta be less than like five, six minutes, you know? Um, and that, that anchored them. I think I agree with you at, at a certain point when you're not hitting shots, you have to decide you're going to attack the basket. I think that's exactly what they did. Um, and yeah, they just, they chipped away. They were a great team tonight, you know, or today, excuse me. Um, and they showed that. Yeah. Um, if you look at the box score, it's pretty hilarious. Um, on the biggest lead, it'll say for Washington, biggest lead 17, New York won. And it's like, yep, <laughs> they just led for it's one point lead. That was all they needed. So it's very sort of hilarious when you look at the box score in that way. And I think the fact that they were really able to sort of attack and get to the basket, I thought really saved them, especially early, because nothing was going in. Their three-point shooting wasn't really there either for much of the night. With the, I guess with, with, with the exception of Sabrina Late and Banaja in the corners, the three-pointers weren't really hitting like that. So the fact that they were able to sort of get to the line and really that, that really sort of like kept them in it, kept them alive. Yeah, and I know both of you know how much I love going to these data analytics that we have here. But Misha, there were a few things that we talked about and that we have already talked about um, even in our recap right here. But points in the paint, Washington dominated that 36 to 24. We talked about second chance points and opportunities. Misha, you and I talking about the rebounds and how the Liberty are really impactful and effective and they want to play as a team that is going to clean up um, and get second chance opportunities through their rebounds, but also just through in hockey, you would call it puck retrieval, but you know, getting, winning those 50, 50 loose ball battles. And that was a big number here. Second chance opportunity, second chance points, 18 to three. Um, you know, the, the points off of turnovers was mentioned. And I think early on that favored Washington 16 points overall, but 23 overall 
for the New York Liberty. And then the bench points. Now we did some of our, our team will win if, and one of the things that I said was the New York Liberty do need productivity from their bench. I don't think this is, you know, the best productivity at 12 points, but it was more than Washington at seven. And I do want to talk about an unfortunate uh, conversation that we have to have, especially for Washington fans, because they had to figure out what their rotations were going to be after Shakira Austin goes down with injury. Misha, we talk so much about the impact that Shakira can have just gloating over her game and all of the improvements that she's made. We did a live stream on Black Rosie Media, and in that, a lot of people in the chat just saying how good it is to see a healthy Elena Deladon with a healthy Shakira Austin. And that came up short today. Uh, we got some word from Washington camp. So first, just the impact of Shakira and now her absence. Did that play a role? And what updates did we get post-game from Washington about her status? Yeah, so I'll start with the update. They said it's a left hip strain. Um, so that's that's what it's, they're calling it. It looked like a hamstring <laughs> live. So, you know, um, but our, our best wishes to her, obviously. You hate to see anybody go down with an injury. I tweeted, injuries are so expletive because they are so expletive. Um, but I think immediately her absence was felt. As soon as she went out of the game, um, I thought, I told Erica <laughs> before we hopped on here, I thought John Quill Jones was about to go off because they started giving her the ball in the post uh, kind of as soon as, as Shakira went down. Um, but I thought that was a testament to the way she was crowding space in the paint. You can't you can't give a player like John Quell, a player like Brianna Stewart, space to operate in the paint. As soon as you do that, they've got you. Um, and Shakira was doing a fantastic job of cutting off that space, of using her quickness, her agility to beat them to spots when they were kind of in one-on-one -on -one, uh, dribble attack situations. Um, I think, you know, I don't know where her block stats were on the day, but I think she was a rim protector today. Um, we saw Sabrina get a fast break layup and miss it, you know, because... So, uh, Shakira Austin was there trailing her. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so tough to see her go down. I think emotionally also you saw the entire mystics bench almost get up and run onto the court and, and surround Shakira Austin. And that's just a testament to not only how tight this team is, but how much they, you know, see her, uh, not only potential, but her growth, her blossoming, um, so far this season. And yeah, it's just so tough to see her go out. And Brian, there was something that Misha said that I thought was interesting about how that might open the floor up for John Quell Jones, but that not, wasn't necessarily the case, especially as the New York Liberty were working their way to that one point lead that they had late in the game to ultimately win in overtime. And Sandy Rondello actually talked about her decisions regarding minutes and why we maybe saw a little bit more of uh, Kayla Thornton as opposed to uh, John Quill Jones, especially late in the game and in overtime. Yeah, um, Sandy mentioned that JJ just didn't really have that, just didn't have it as well as she had been today. She had been setting like a lot of good screens and was owning the board, so that was a positive. But I thought that with KT, you had someone where if you wanted to switch everything, KT can guard whoever on the court. She can sort of 
play the passing lanes, do all these things incredibly well. And I think that for the Liberty, just being able to have a lineup with Stewie at the five, KT at the four, and then you go three guards from there, it's a brand new sort of look for opponents to keep an eye on. And I think with Dolson being out for a while, it's going to be something the Liberty experiment with. So they're able to really sort of like test out their late game execution against elite teams. So just having a moment where KT can just sort of step in and fill and fill in immediately at a moment's notice was really impressive. And Misha, we've talked, obviously, again, this was a tight game. We talked about what this Washington team can be like in our preview episode, in episode six, um, the Washington Mystics, that is, when they play really solid defense. Again, this game goes down to the wire. The Washington Mystics balloon up that lead, that 17-point lead, weren't able to keep it. Let's talk about the takeaways from the Mystics' point of view. What were the good, the bad? I think we kind of already hit on the ugly, and that's the Austin injury. Um, but also, what were you hearing from from the Mystics' camp post-game about how they are going to put this loss into context, into the, the season? So first of all, as far as takeaways go, I think offensively, this is a win. For the Mystics, for the for the things they've been struggling with as far as offensive flow and rhythm this season, this is a win. Okay. This is four Mystics are in double figures, I believe, if if not five. Um, everybody was in attack mode from the jump, which is something that um Natasha Cloud and, and Ariel Atkins talked about after the game. It's it's fun to play, you know, that duo specifically when both of them are hitting. It's fun to watch. I'm, I mean, obviously. Um, but everyone was a threat. Um, and you know, with with Washington though you got to close and you can have a great game against a team like New York and Ariel Atkins says it, but with a team like this, it goes down to that one play. A lot of times you'll, you'll hear the opposite, like, Oh, it's, it's little plays throughout the game that lose a game. And in this situation, it was just the close. Um, but they, they feel really good about a lot of the things they did offensively, defensively, they were as solid as they always are. Um, I think that they, they had 23 points off turnovers, which is, you know, a big number. Um, they rely on that a lot. Um, and yeah, I mean, Ariel Atkins also talked about her shot specifically because she had been, you know, in, in kind of a shooting slump, um, but is quickly breaking out of that as we saw today. Um, she felt motivated, she said in the presser, to hit shots because she's been asked all season about that shooting slump. Um, and she thinks every shot she takes is going in. So moving forward, that's a great bright spot for the Mystics to have her hitting again, to have Natasha Cloud be such a threat, to have Elena Deladon not have to be the one, you know what I mean? It didn't seem like she had to force too much tonight. She didn't have to go outside of herself. Um, she just made typical Elena Deladon plays, which sounds real casual, but Elena Deladon makes some spectacular plays. Um, but yeah, it just came down to execution and overtime. Um, got some great minutes from Natasha, or not Natasha Cloud, excuse me, Tiana Hawkins off the bench. Um, Shatori Walker Kimbrough guarding, you know, Maureen Johannes, uh, Johannes when she came in the game. Um, for Sabrina Inescu and foul trouble early. But yeah, there's a lot of great takeaways. It's just, it's tough for that Mystics team. Um, you could tell just not to close that one out after so much work was put in. And that kind of leads me to, I want to ask Brian, you this question, because Misha and I talked about how this is really a barometer game. Not, a, I mean, we're still kind of early in the season. So must win is, is very hyperbolic. Uh, that being said, it, it's still an important game for these teams coming in. And so I want to ask a similar question. What were, what were the good? What were the bad? I mean, were there ugly? Um, you know, what were the takeaways from Liberty Camp? They did get the win, but what does this, or what do you hope 
Um, and what did you hear uh, that the team is motivated to really focus on after um, having to really grind out this win? This episode of Gotta Get Up is brought to you by our new sponsor, the Bounceless Control Sports Bra. No more sacrificing your form to control the bounce. No more feeling embarrassed because your breasts want to work out on their own. No more doubling or tripling to make it through workouts. Now, one sports bra gives you the support you need. And our listeners and viewers over on Black Rosie Media will get 15% off their first order by using code B. RM, which of course stands for Black Rosie Media. So head to bounceless.com to get your bounceless control sports bra and get back to your active life. Um, for the Liberty, a good thing for them was that they won the rebounding battle again. That's been an issue Sandy Brandello has pressed on a lot this season. That when they don't win the rebound battle, they tend to lose games. And they they I think they won the rebounding battle by like 16 tonight. So just being able to own the boards, get those extra possessions was really valuable for them and a great sign that, you know, the the, the coaching and the focus on cleaning up the boards has been very helpful. Another positive I would say was Sabrina Unescu's game. Erica, we talked about it a while back, but Sandy had said that Sabrina can hit threes from like NBA range, which is like really far out. And the fact that Sabrina was able to hit seven three-pointers and really hit threes from, from a really far distance helped create a lot of room. There was one play, I think, late in the fourth quarter where Deladon, where um, they, they were able to get Stewie on a switch, I think, against um, Sykes, and Deladon came to double. And then Stewie was able to find Sabrina from like 28 feet and she was able to hit the three that got the crowd all the way back in, got the delivery a little bit closer. So having a player who can really stretch the defense out to its absolute maximum is so valuable and something that would really sort of like give the Liberty more room to operate, more confidence that they can score from anywhere on the court and give them a little bit more freedom and flexibility to work with down the stretch. Um, I would say as far as a bad, the free throws late. They won the game, but they, for a great free throw shooting team like the Liberty are, they missed, I want to say, like like five or six free throws in the fourth quarter. Like Stewie missed one. Sabrina missed one. B missed one. I think Niara missed a free throw. Courtney missed two free throws. So the fact that, yeah. Salute. Yeah. Salute. Mm -hmm. Salute, miss. I feel like everyone missed free throws. Both teams, right, Misha? Yeah. Like Tiana Hawkins missed some big ones down the stretch. Um, and yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah and and I think that. Natasha Cloud as well. Yeah. So to your point, Brian, just huge, a, a yeah. huge. I feel point like of that's going to be something um, they probably tell school yeah. to be like, guys, mm -hmm. we need you to like do better at the free throw shooting. And throw shooting down the stretch. And um, I didn't like I saw a clip of it online but apparently in one of the first timeouts they they had the mic up with sandy and i think one i think the first thing so i feel like sandy being like guys like be serious like i think i think that's gonna be something we sort of keep an eye on as well too so the fact that they were able to like show up to work and get the job <laughs> done is very impressive yeah yeah, I like that. And yes, she, she, you know, expletives were thrown in there. She's like, did I remember? Oh, no, I remember what I said. Um, I think another takeaway for me from this game was um, there were two dogs. And in different ways, Tosh Cloud, come on. Like, I'm talking flexing, making big shots, dog, er, ready to bite. 
and I love to see it. I mean, I, I didn't love it <laughs> as much as I usually do, <laughs> but I still loved it. I found myself torn. That was beautiful. On the other side, you had a different kind of dog. This is a dog couldn't find a bone if it couldn't find a bone in a pet store. And that was Brianna Stewart. And I was like, dang, like some of the, the shot selection was a little crazy. I was like, sis, there's there's like pressing and then there's this. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what this is. I've never seen this. I'm not used to it. And I was a little concerned. In a pet store is crazy. I'm in, sorry. A store. in a pet store is crazy. Can't find a bone in a pet store. Couldn't find it. When happened? <laughs> um, you know, I gotta get these jokes. I gotta get these you're jokes. you're rolling right now. You're rolling. I keep them coming. I'm gonna wow. tell you the other joke, Brian. That's a, that's a for off air later. No recording of that. I'll tell you that joke later. But also, I might save it for public for another time. Anyway, but Stewie, there was one play. Misha and I were talking about this off air. But there was this one play where Stewie had just missed another shot. There was an inbounds play. And Sabrina yep. Ionescu went to go inbound the ball. Stewie grabbed her at her at her arm and pushed her back onto the court, took the ball, and then the Liberty scored on that possession. And I said on the live stream, I was like, I'm going to translate this for y'all. For anyone who's ever played sports, if you've ever played basketball, even if Stewie didn't say a word to Sabrina Ionescu, what she said was, I'm going to need you to go do what you do. And that to me was also a symbolic gesture of Brianna Stewart telling the New York Liberty through her actions and through the confidence and telling, saying, no, you, you are going to do this, telling this team to, to keep fighting and we're not losing this game. We're not losing this game. So she did her own version of game five guaranteed. Um, and it was honestly really beautiful to watch both of them cook. I loved it. And so Brian, I'm gonna ask you this question as we start to wrap up. But when you think of a New York Liberty squad that has this super team tag on it, that got licked by Washington in our first game. And you see how Washington played. And this is a core, Misha and I talked about this. They still have a lot of that core from that 2019 championship. But you have a New York Liberty who has individuals who've won championships, but that team, that franchise is still missing it. What, what do you think the New York Liberty are going to take as positives from this game to propel them as now their next opponent is going to be the Connecticut Sun. Now, unfortunately, they had an injury themselves. Brianna Jones out for the season with a, a ruptured Achilles. Dang. But Connecticut is not a team to be trifled with. And to Misha's point from earlier, Connecticut is also a team that's going to be in mm -hmm. Brianna Stewart's gut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, for this for this game, I think it shows the Liberty that they are as, just as tough as these other teams. I think sometimes, I think some of the early perception might have been if you sort of like play tough, if you play really physical with them, you rough them up. That the fact that they were able to really sort of like go blow for blow with the Mystics, who were who are super competitive, who were all the way locked in, even after Shakira left, like I thought that the Mystics were just, were just going to sort of be deflated, but mm -mm. 
they were they they still were on it and they kept that dedication and they kept that spirit and energy and the liberty were able to sort of match that and i think that it's a great sign for them because it shows them that we can dig down deep and we can come from behind against the best teams yeah it's one thing to to dominate teams that you're supposed to win by 20 30 whatever the fact that you're able to do it against a, another a fellow contender and and a contender who's who's dominating you in your house carrying you to the finish line as well too that part speaks to just the, the toughness of the team the home court advantage of the building keeping the fans all the way with you having them sort of support you give you that optimism and extra hope and i think that for the liberty it shows them that great perimeter defenders and cloud sykes and atkins be able to do what we do we can we can we can battle with deladon on the inside we can do all of these things and even when we make mistakes we have just enough sort of guile and willpower and connectivity to bring it all the way home yep and they're gonna need that this week coming up because the new york liberty will take on the connecticut sun as i mentioned that's going to be tuesday june 27th on nba tv in uncasville <laughs> mohegan sun arena and then oh i don't know just some team called the Las Vegas Aces. I don't know. Might have heard of them. They're kind of good, I guess. So that's going to be a, a tough one uh, on the road, the New York Liberty. And, um, you know, then on Sunday, they will also take on the Seattle Storm, a different kind of challenge. Seattle has obviously had its struggles, but I think it's starting to find its stride. Now, Misha, we're going to come to you because – now, the New York Liberty are, are familiar with having some home-and-home -home series um, or going back-to-back -back with the same opponent. We did that with Chicago earlier on. Um, but similar question to what I asked Brian. What does this game, it was a one-point loss in overtime, but how does this game get Washington, you think, ready for the week that they have ahead where they're going to play Atlanta not once but twice? And maybe Atlanta's not a top three team, but they got some fight in them. Mm -hmm. I think just by the nature of what this game was, kind of the same as what Brian said, this was a dogfight. This was this was blow for blow. I mean, we talked about the picture on the wall. This was this was a prize fight. Um, and I think knowing that Atlanta has been so dangerous, you know, in moments where they put it all together this season, I think this is a good primer for that kind of intensity and that kind of energy. Um, and the Mystics now know they can withstand um, that from you know one of the top teams in the league in the in the New York Liberty. Um, and now that they have that kind of in the bag, I think they knew, you know, okay, in the mind we can do this, but have we done it, you know, out on the court? I think they've shown and displayed it now. So now it's something they can fall back on with some confidence. Um, I think that this is this is a, a Eastern Conference Finals potential preview that we just saw. I really, I really, I really believe that in my heart. Um, and obviously, like you just said, Connecticut's right up there with them. You know, no tea, no shade to y'all, Connecticut. I love Mohegan Sun Arena. I love a good casino. All right. You know, no tea, no shade. Um, but I truly think, you know, this this could be one of the ways that the Eastern Conference uh, ends up in the end. So Washington has just proved to themselves, okay, we're, we're back at that contender form uh, truly now. Now we just got to figure out how to close. For me, it's overtime. It's execution down the stretch. It's hitting free throws, it's making layups, um, converting, oh my goodness, mm -mm -mm -mm. converting yeah. on turnovers. Con mm -hmm. I know they had 23 points off turnovers, that's fine, that's good. 
But in OT, there were a couple of turnovers they forced New York into that they just didn't capitalize on. Um, and so I just think that that's going to be a big emphasis, um, you know, as this, as the season continues on. Because you can play as great as you want to for the duration of the game, but you got to finish it. You got to yeah. finish it. Absolutely. So there will be some swag surfing on Wednesday as the Washington Mystics head back to Entertainment and Sports Arena. It's both teams have Commissioner Cup games. So Tuesday's matchup against Connecticut will be a Commissioner's Cup game. Atlanta Dream at Washington. And then it is a home and home, as was mentioned. So it will be Washington at the Atlanta Dream. Uh, Tanisha Wright had some spicy things to say earlier in the week, and we didn't really talk about it on air, but officiating <laughs> was uh, curious in this game uh, and this matchup. So we'll see if it gets spicy again as they go to Gateway Center at College Park in Atlanta, Georgia. But I mean, this has been fun. Like, we're family now. We just gonna have to have family reunions more often. Because <laughs> like we're crushing it. This is amazing. I love it. I love the it. The vibes are the vibes are fantastic <laughs> over here. I wanna let everybody know, even if I never come on the podcast again, if Erica hits you in the DFs, come on, gotta get up. You better come on. You better get up. Gotta get, get on, up. Gotta get it. up. <laughs> All right, alliteration. <laughs> Let's go. We got to get up. Let's go. Stay on the scene. We going to keep you on the scene. That's the way it is. That's the way it is. Right on, right on. We doing it. But um, similarly to how we ended our preview show, we know that things are bigger than ball, uh, bigger than basketball, and certainly sports media. And so Misha and I had a really great conversation on how to open up um, and hopefully we'll see this soon broadcast on air talent and also sports media to to people who are more reflective of what uh, WNBA players how they identify who they are and so that was a great conversation so I gave Misha last word for the preview but Brian you're gonna get last word because as always you are coming straight from Barclays um, but I know that you have been able to get to know the staff at the Barclays Center a little bit more and some of the conversations that they're having um around their well their workforce and so brian you're gonna get last word on gotta get up a podcast for new york liberty fans we had misha jones i of course am erica l ayala and brian florenton is gonna bring us home so we can get a little bit more of the vibe and, and what's happening in brooklyn at the nba draft the concession workers in the arena held a rally across the street from the Barclays advocating for better health care, better health care benefits, better pay, better pay wages and better sort of treatment from the company that manages them called Levy Management. I was able to talk to a lot of the workers there. And one of the big things that I sort of took away from it was just that they wanted respect at the bargaining table and respect in terms of treatment and salary benefits, things like that. It like in my in my day job I do like I was in a similar situation where we had to fight to get benefits, fight to get those 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 healthcare they, they, things like that in a contract. So I empathize with them on a deep level and just sort of hearing their stories and seeing them and share their stories with me and the folks who were there, it really meant a lot. And I think that for the workers, they mentioned that they've they really made Barclays what it is. You know, they've been open, the building has been open over 10 years now, a lot of the workers were there from the beginning to now, and they're the ones who sort of help help 
help keep things moving well. They're providing the services. They're cooking the food for the people. They're doing all of these things. And they make the environment here so positive and friendly for folks who are coming in to watch either the Liberty concerts or, or any sort of big events like that. So I think that as they... sort of like back and forth as they sort of fight for better benefits. I think it's always important for us in the community to sort of like have that solidarity with them because like they mentioned that we all may find ourselves in a situation where we have to sort of prove our worth. We have to sort of fight for the things that we deserve and what we need. So I think that for us as sort of like fans, people who watch the game, people who take in the game, all these kind of things, just having that support for them and that sort of understanding and respect for what they're going through, I think will sort of go a long way and show the workers here that the community is behind them 100%. Well, thank you so much, Brian, for giving us that insight. And I think you're absolutely right. As a media member in particular, we often do cross paths with those workers and as fans, especially if you are season ticket holders, we know Liberty fans are loyal, um, as I'm sure other uh, groups are as well. You get to know people, you see their faces, and you share the up, ups and downs of a season, but sometimes also of life. So I'm really grateful that you were able to bring that to our attention, Brian. Um, and that's going to be our show. That would be the, the, the wrap up. But Misha, we want to thank you again for joining us. Brian, as always, you're fantastic. You picked a great picture on the wall for this recap. And um, that is our show. Got to get up. Make sure you are subscribed on YouTube. You can also listen on your audio platform of choice. But we're going to do the roundup again. We got a little squad here now. So I hope y'all are ready. I hope y'all are ready for all our antics. But thank you as always. Um, and you know, I know we have a lot going on in the world. I also want to just send some love to Cindy Brunson. She's always been very supportive of what a lot of us here individually and as a collective have done. And I know that her family is mourning the passing of her father. So sending some love to her and anyone else, you know, just be kind to yourself, be kind to each other. That's the, the best that hopefully we can do. So if anyone else is going through some things, we're sending you love here from the Gotta Get Up podcast but that's going to do it for us we'll catch you next week to recap the week that was for the new york liberty peace out everybody